Welcome to Breaking the Bias. This podcast is designed as a collection of conversations with sales and marketing leaders from across our industry, shining a light and sharing stories of workplace empowerment. Welcome to this episode of Breaking the Bias. Today, I'm joined by Mitali Gohel, Senior Program Manager, Amazon, and co-founder of Women in Tech. Mitali, welcome. Hi, hi, happy to be here, how are you? Yes, very well, thank you. Great to have you with us. Um, Mitali, I'd love you to kick us off with with a bit about who you are and uh, your career so far. Yeah, absolutely. So hi, everyone. I'm Mitali Gohel. I'm a senior program manager at Amazon. What that means is I work with our third party sellers worldwide, trying to uh, improve our customer and seller experience across nine marketplaces in the UK and Europe. Alongside my day job, I am leading in our Women at Tech Collective, which is an external network comprised of the top tech companies in the UK. I'm also part of the Women at Amazon group and part of another external forum called the Women's Network Forum, which is a cross-industry leader collective as well. Um, So yeah, I've been very active in the tech space and the gender equality space as well. Fantastic. Yeah, I know you've been doing a great deal over the course of your career um, in, in supporting and raising awareness around gender diversity and inclusion. I'd, I'd love um, for you just to share, Mitali, the, the story that, that you've, you've shared with me of uh, when, when you were at university and some of the volunteering work that you did and, and, and really what got you passionate and started in, the, in this particular topic. So my passion really started at home, having strong maternal figures around me, um, especially my own mother. And when I got to university, I ended up applying for and winning a scholarship to redress gender inequality in India, where I worked with on a project with orphans and school children, teaching them computer skills and also educating them. When I came back from that, I felt like I wanted to quit and become, you know, work in NGOs and, you know, set on a different path away from business. But I actually had a great mentor at the time that told me, charity starts at home. Have you thought about what things you could do in your immediate environments? After graduating with my degree in business, I ended up realizing that I could make change where I was. And I actually joined BT on their grad program. And it was there that I started as a volunteer and rose through the ranks to become chair of that network. And through the years, I focused on a variety of issues from paternity leave to trying to drive allyship through the business, through to um, running campaigns to increase awareness of menopause and things like that. It's through that opportunity I managed to gain the experience to branch out to external networks where I, as you mentioned, co-founded the Women at Tech Collective, which is a group of the top tech companies across the UK and the world where we come together to try and drive up um, equality and representation in gender across the industry. Brilliant. I mean, I lo- love what you're doing at, at Women in Tech and the way that you've described it to, to me in the past has been um, this idea of all these organizations are tackling the same topic in different ways. Let's pull together and actually work towards taking the best of, it, of every world and applying it, almost fast tracking the gender inequality and, and, and reducing that the difference there. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about some of the research that you're doing and, and the, the topic of the, the broken run? So yeah, at Women at Tech, we, we're fairly new and we're really, our committee and our group are amazing leaders and women who are all passionate about trying to improve, you know, gender 
gender equality within within our company. So as you said, we're all coming together with our different perspectives and experiences from member companies like Google, Uber, BT, Amazon, to try and drive the right focus on the key initiatives of today and, and, and how they can be improved for the future. So one of those topics that we're really focusing on this year is called the broken rung. For those of you who who aren't aware, the broken rung was actually coined by McKinsey and Sheryl Sandberg in some lean-in research where they took data from nearly 600 companies and it showed that across the board, women in entry-level jobs were less likely to be promoted to their first managerial position. And then when you look at that across um, different career segments, it means that at every stage or let's say at every promotion, there are less and less women in the pipeline available for promotion. So then when you get to that jump from mid to high, higher level in management, for example, from kind of mid senior to director level, the pool that's available and the amount of women is really low. And I think there is something like 62% of men hold uh, all managerial positions, whilst females only represent 38%. But that's data before the pandemic. So so basically, within Women at Tech this year, we're really trying to hone in on, on this group from mid senior to let's say exec management and what we are doing is we're trying to bring together what are the policies what are the insights that we have we're going to run our own research on it to understand the biases and the policies that contribute to this phenomenon and we want to get insights within our groups and then develop um, development programs such as mentoring sponsorship or perhaps a podcast and things like that to spread awareness and improve that in the future so essentially if you think about some of the enablers that allow us to lead our working lives one one of the key policies or one of the top policies is paternity and maternity leave so essentially at the moment there is a big chunk of time traditionally given um, for uh, women to go on maternity leave let's say about six months to a year and for for men in general it can range from one week to about four weeks on average and then um, for best industry standards at the minute it's around 24 weeks for some companies and so there is this big challenge with uh, which is linked to the broken rung which is some of the questions are how do companies retain their female talent how do they increase engagement how, how do companies give time to more men to spend with their families and so and the final challenge is how do companies help rising and upcoming talent and when you look at the data from any angle you can see that millennial men want more time with with their families like culture and attitudes are changing women want to progress and they are getting educated at a faster rate they are wanting and willing to find those opportunities for progression so they do want some men to to let's say temporarily drop out of not being at work to jump into those opportunities and then for for women we do that there is a trend of women wanting to work and wanting to have a, a career and a baby it's not one or the other anymore they want both so so i would say that is a key tenet that we're looking at and and the data does show that if men do take more time out of the workforce it will enable more equality at home and different decisions for these different cohorts to be made and and the other point is around sponsorship versus mentorship so women have a lot of mentors uh, but not enough sponsors and I think in a Harvard Business Review 
um, it was found that women are 50, 54% less likely uh, to have a sponsor than men. So essentially, we need, to, we need to shift this and we want to find out the reasons why and how we can enable more men to be aware of this and step up to sponsor women, you know, in those boardrooms and in those career discussions to help them get to the next level, which isn't happening today. I was really intrigued as you were talking about sponsorship. You know, if, if you were uh, mentoring somebody, if somebody's part of your network, you know, what advice would you give them about seeking out a sponsor? How, how would they go about it? I think the number one thing is being deliberate and targeted, which I think um, a lot of people shy away from um, asking for what you want, which I know applies to all facets of life. I think it's quite easy for people to say, hey, will you be my mentor? It's a softer ask. There's no direct commitment. And I don't think you can ask for a sponsor just randomly. I think you do have to have a base level relationship, but maybe that's the starting point. You find you find people that are supportive of you that do want to help you and then you you go in with that ask and you're clear and maybe you're data led and evidence led with it as well, right? And they might not be responsive initially, but over time if you plant those seeds, you you do end up seeing people vouching for you behind closed doors. So so yeah, that would be my top advice. Mittal is just making, putting that into really pragmatic terms, um, seeking out a sponsor. You, you've talked about you know, making sure it's somebody who's supportive, they want to help you. Um, what, what, what is the ask? Is it about making sure that they're championing you in, in those conversations? Is it about you know, looking at those progression opportunities? Talk me through that a bit. Exactly. I think, I think it starts with what does the individual want? right? You have mm-hmm. to be clear on what your ask is. So is it is it that promotion? And, and if so, do you have the data points behind that from yourself, right? And, and I know some people sometimes aren't aware of that. So I think you need to become more aware of that in terms of what, what you need, what you're asking for. I would say also to be honest, I see a lot of people that say what other people want to hear, or they hear that right. from somebody in a sponsorship position and they just think yeah I'll go with that so I think sometimes you have to be quite you know if it if it feels right or wrong you need to be sure of what that means for you but yeah in terms of the ask I think it's about having that honest frank conversation to give you an example uh, I believe I'm operating at the next level and here are the points to prove it do you do you agree or do you think we're there yet or if not how can we get there? And I know that sounds like a managerial conversation, but you can also have that with your sponsors as well. And maybe if they don't know or if they have a gap about what you can do, it's about filling those gaps in with them as well. well that's really good advice. And if you're in an organisation, the scale of Amazon, and you've talked about, you know, you know maybe that, that sponsor might be your manager, but equally it might not be. Who makes a, a good sponsor? Is it always somebody that's in a in a more senior position to you? Is it someone in an adjacent discipline in, inside the business? It depends on your objective. So if you want to move out of that division, finding a sponsor perhaps in another team where, let's say you want to change career job families and you want to be in another division, you need a sponsor outside of that to help say, actually, for example, Mitali's never done sales before, but she's got these three skills that I think would make her a great saleswoman. So that's one example. If it's within your kind of division, it does need to be somebody quite senior, perhaps your boss's boss's boss, somebody at that level 
so they're aware so they know because they're they're going to be in those career conversations and at that point you know you want to have shown demonstrated and have that person in the room that's going to say actually Mitali I can see going very far we need to give Mm -hmm. her more we need to fill these gaps and I believe she'll thrive as an example. Fantastic. Really great advice there. And, and just re- rewinding back a little bit, Matali, you, you talked about um, at the start of your career having a mentor and, you know, you could have gone into NGOs, but you chose chose tech. And I think some of the, the data when you look at diversity and inclusion is, is the worst in tech. You and I both started our careers at Microsoft. You, you've gone on to work at you know, places like BT. How diverse have you found these businesses? Tech is getting better. It's improved. And and I would say some of the larger companies are more diverse than the smaller ones. But overall, there is a lot of work to do in tech. So I think 21% of IT professionals in the industry are women. And when you look at engineering stats, that's almost halved at like 12.5% of engineers are women, I think, in the UK. So when when we look at, you know, decision makers or we look at the models, the structures, the algorithms, everything that we're building in tech, it is largely dominated by men. So when you think about tech, you think about the future. It's an industry where you're you're building the future, right? So um, in tech, having diverse talent at all levels in all jobs is the key enabler to us building our future in a more diverse way. So it's and, and that's why it's super important. And I would say there's there's a ton of work to do. And I know that businesses are trying to improve, like all of these companies are making changes and, and improving things every day. But I do think that the amount of energy that we take in in our business side of our lives to innovate to scale to break things and build new things I think that same mindset within the tech industry needs to be applied to this talent problem and I would say just to tap into my personal experiences you know I have been the only woman in a leadership uh, team and and when I first started off I was usually the only woman and and woman of color in a room so I would say that it, it was it was quite hard to start off in those environments. I found myself code switching. I found myself not not be vocal enough, or when I have, my ideas have been taken and repurposed and so on. So I'm lucky that I pushed through those experiences. But I did think about a couple of times coming out of the tech industry. I didn't feel like I belonged when I first started, but I'm glad that I stuck it out because I have seen a lot of change, even in the in the almost decade that I've been in the industry. So, so yeah, I think that for, for anybody listening that might feel like how I did feel, I would say that there is, each company is different and there are great strides being made. However, in order to see these changes, sometimes you have to be a part of that as well. So that's kind of kept me going. I've always thought there will be a time where it wasn't like, like it was for me when I first started. What are you most proud of when you reflect back on past decades, the volunteering work you've done, you know, this, the, the network that you're building through uh, Women at Tech? You know, what, what um, really stands out for you? I am very proud anytime I impact somebody's life. So the, the two things that come to my mind is I did a talk at 
at my old university just one year after graduating, which I found really, you know, nerve wracking at the time. But I ended up inspiring somebody that went on to actually join the same company in industry as I did the following year. And I got this amazing post on LinkedIn from him. And most recently, I had a mentee who applied for, hope she won't mind me saying if she's listening, but applied for nearly 60 plus applications and got rejected from everything. And I think that with her, I really worked on on not letting her self-worth and her confidence be knocked by those things, but actually finding the right kind of job and, and finding something she was interested in. And she ended up, even though she got rejected from all those places, she ended up rejecting a couple of offers. And now she's in her dream job in, in, in a dream company. And so for me, it's it's those bits of impact that make me feel like this is a job worth doing. Um, and I've had a few people come up to me thanking me over the years for different events and campaigns we've run. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm most proud of the fact that I can make a difference. And I think that we all have a lot of privilege to give. So I'm, I'm glad that I can I can help in some way. Yeah, that's a really inspiring perspective to have and uh, fantastic to hear. And no, no surprise, right, in the, in the impact that you're having on individuals and given how much work that you've already done to raise awareness, really encouraging to hear. Um, what, what advice would you have, Matali, for, for women looking to be successful in some of the similar organisations that you've worked at? You know, how can they be set up for success in their career? The way I've approached everything is most of the time I've said yes to the opportunity, even if I've only been like 10% sure or had no idea what it was. For me, it's worst case, you'll learn what you don't like and you'll think, oh, that was annoying. But actually, that's been a tiny proportion. Best case, it's opened up new doors and it's brought the most unexpected opportunities into my life. So for example, the two additional women's networks I mentioned, the Women's Network Forum and the Women at Tech Group, if I had said no to both of those calls and opportunities, even though I had nothing about it, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have joined them and, and opened up the, the world of learning I had ahead of me and, and networks and, and people that I met. So I would say, just say yes. <laughs> say yes, learn, yeah, learn from it, and uh, you'll, you'll get also get lots of good goodness along the way. That's uh, fantastic advice. And Mitali, love to finish on. Um, you know, you've you've clearly um, given a, a lot. You know, it's amazing to see how much volunteering work you've done and and the effect that you've had on people's lives. How has um, volunteering in the DNI space helped you as an individual? I think it's developed um, a whole set of skills that I never would have had the opportunity to develop at the time that I did. So for example, I was leading a team in my first volunteering opportunity at BT, a small team of three, but that then helped me get my next managerial role. Or as another example, chairing the General Quality Network, which had 3000 members at BT, allowed me to then co-found the Women at Tech Collective, which is now across um, eight different tech companies. So I'd say you get to step up, you get to put yourself in roles that you'd never be in normally with your job. But most importantly, you kind of network, you build a community and a sense of belonging with others, which I think even if you're part of a like your own team, it gives you so many other people that you can connect with and and you know, meet and have fun along the way. So I'd say those those are the big things for me. 
Uh, I mean, that's what it's all about, isn't it? Community and um, you know, keep, keep learning uh, you know, every day is an opportunity to, to keep growing. Natali, thanks so much for, for joining this episode. I've enjoy, really enjoyed our conversation and I appreciate you chatting through the broken rung as, as you see it, the great work that you're doing at Women at Tech and, and in particular, you know, how, how can individuals go about getting sponsorship and, and helping them progress their career? I'm really looking forward to seeing what you do next and, and where you take Women at Tech. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me today. Thanks, Mitali. Thank you. This podcast is brought to you by Momentum ITSMA, a leading B2B growth consultancy and advisory firm. We're fortunate to have incredibly diverse talent, both in our business and the clients we work with. And together, we're actively striving to tackle the inclusion gap. You can learn more at MomentumITSMA.com.